Put his chip on my shoulder, won't come off I scrubbed and scrubbed until I was red raw Reconstructed full of filler Somebody break the bronze soul I guess I'm just a peasant from up north Hello, hey man, how are you? Alright, good, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not bad um, Little technical trouble trying to set my microphone up today But we got there in the end, as you can see Am I coming through loud and clear? Loud and clear, sounds good man Sounds good So, great to see you would have been a perfect day for a coffee in the park, wouldn't it? You know what? I was just thinking that as I was setting this oh. up. I thought I'd much rather be doing this in the middle of Sefton Park. Oh, uh, next time. Next time. That was yeah. nice the other week. That was perfect. That coffee and that cab. A couple of hours in the sun. But this is a perfect day now, isn't it? The best we've had in ages. Mm -hmm. Really cleared up. So anyway, we're here today to talk about a purely historical topic that our listeners might be interested in. We've we've decided to hone all the dross, all the chit chat, down to the historical bare bones, haven't we? Keep it simple. We are. We us peasants are refining our material, our contents. Yeah. We're we're gonna really chew on one topic this week. That's what the plan is, isn't it? That's right. It's a thirty forty. Well, hopefully, thirty forty minutes max. We're gonna keep it tight and not discuss anything besides our topic this week, which is. The history of Christmas. Christmas, yeah. And if you listen to this, one of our faithful listeners, there are a few out there. If you're listening to this before Christmas, then it's particularly maybe interesting to you. But even if you're listening to it in January, it'll still be interesting and hopefully. You might have heard most of this before, or you may have heard none of it before. But we're going to chat about some different things and just see what we can establish about the history of Christmas and where it all came from, because it's such a huge thing worldwide, isn't it? This festival, this celebration, usually on the 25th of December, most countries go for that day, don't they? That's pretty, that's pretty universal, that date. Anyway, should we get straight into it? We should. I, do you know what? We've not even had like a pre-ramble about how we're going to approach this. So this should be really interesting in terms of uh, how we navigate this conversation. Because as you say, it is ubiquitous. Mm. It's everywhere Christmas. And it's really interesting to find out and discover why that is and, 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 and how that happened. As you say, mm. we're focusing on the history of it, aren't we? So We are, we are, we are. Me, yeah, exactly. We're going to look at some key questions, key facts what different people have said about it, what different history sources say about it. And we're by no means experts, but what would be our credentials if someone said, well, who the heck are you two even be talking about it? We could just be two guys in the pub talking about it, couldn't we? Two average Joes, two average peasants. I mean, what would, if someone was to say to you, J-Man, what's your historical slant or where, where are you coming from historically in terms of your learning, education, what would you say? I'm putting you on the spot there, sorry man. <laughs> you put the J-Man on the spot. Don't worry, the J-Man doesn't mind the spot. Um, I'd say, look, there are facts that you can dig up if you look in the right places. Mm. You know, you don't need to be an expert in, in, in this, on this topic. Mm. There are certain dates and uh, events that dictate 
why people celebrate Christmas. And if you know these facts, then you can get a really good background as to what, why that is. A lot of people yeah, don't. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're being modest there, I think, in terms of, well, you are a bit of a scholar and a bit of a self-taught historian and you've, you've studied degree level subjects, not particularly history, but you, you've studied subjects and you've read around this subject a lot, I'd imagine. And I know, I don't have to imagine, I know you've read a lot about the history of Christianity and other cultures, other uh, celebrations we, we see around us. And myself, I would say, well, my background is loosely history. I've taught history for 10 years yeah. and I've, you know, coordinated it. Mine's more like, yeah, I've got history in my background, but I wouldn't claim to be like a professor, a boffin of it. But I love history, you know, I read history for fun, I'm such a nerd. I struggle to read nothing, anything but history now. So having taught it for over 10 years in an inner city educational establishment, I feel yeah. like I've got some degree of like validity to have a, an opinion. But you know what? Everyone's got the right to an opinion. If you were like a 15-year-old school child, school person, you've got a right to an opinion. Or if you're somebody who's just starting to read history now and you're in your 90s, well, good on you. Everybody's entitled to an opinion, and as you say, the facts are out there. So it's about having an inquiring mind, isn't it? It's not about whether you've got degrees coming out of your backside or not. It's about whether... <laughs> you don't have to loads of letters after your name necessarily that relate to your qualifications, but we are here just as two Joes today, average guys. We're just going to maybe... A couple of peasants. A couple of peasants, northern peasants, and we're just going to briefly chat about the history of Christmas, and maybe you'll find out something new, but you might know this. If you do, apologies, but I think you'll nonetheless find it an interesting uh, topic to listen to. And any thoughts or ideas or anything we've missed out, feel free to send to our Twitter page, Peasants Up North. And, uh, Keep forgetting that we've got a Twitter page, that's great. Yeah, I don't really, we don't really attend to it very much, do we? But it's there if people want to communicate to us and say, yeah. what a load of nonsense. But anyway, here we go. So, first question. What are the origins of Christmas? Let's go with the date, the 25th. Here's the question, Joe. Does the Bible say Jesus was born on the 25th of December? Excellent question. Good, good place to start. Where does the 25th of December come from? No, the Bible does not say anything at all about Jesus being born on the 25th of December. In fact, it doesn't give us a date for Jesus's birth, but it does give us clues to help us work out broad, roughly when he was when he was born. True. Um, like what? What clues? So one of the clues that it gives us, the first one I think of, is that dur during the time of Jesus's birth, the shepherds were in the fields tending to their sheep. Mm. Now I have been to Israel. I've been to that area of the world in uh, winter time and so I know firsthand it is not warm enough at all mm. in and around that area mm. to be out there of an evening and of course shepherds even to this day I've always wanted to go on um, you know the weather wrap and scroll over to Jerusalem and see no up to Bethlehem and mm. see what the temperature is on the 25th of December because I think if you did that you'd see that it is far too cold for shepherds to be out in the fields mm -hmm. at that time of year so that's one of the first reasons why people go oh that doesn't really make sense mm -hmm. and also yeah you're right there's many 
circumstantial things which suggest it wasn't obviously the 25th people scholars put it in October sometime don't they and also they say the Roman census which some historians historical sources say yes that did happen but others say well even the Romans wouldn't have been foolish enough to try and do a census where you had to go back to your hometown to be counted in the dead of winter that would have just made the Jews even more angry as one of the conquered peoples so even you know things like that are kind of clues that really that that wouldn't have happened then. I mean, McClintock and Strong Cyclopedia. Do you want to hear what that says? Yeah, go go for it. <laughs> I've got it here. It says the observance of Christmas is not of divine appointment, nor is it of New Testament origin. So as regards, that's that's a general comment on the observance of Christmas. But as regards the days, well, we know this days goes further back, doesn't it, to other cultures around the world. This week, around the winter solstice, which is around mm. that time, I think it's a day or two before the 25th, if not around the 25th, isn't it? And the winter solstice being the shortest day of the year, I guess, in the Northern Hemisphere, where, where we're from, and the Roman Empire was situated, and so on, where the Jews yeah. lived. But So it's a winter solstice, it's the cold night, the dark night, and the people, whatever their persuasion, whatever they were worshipping, they generally had in common, they wanted to scare away the darkness and the spirits they believed in. And so, they had a big party that week. And the Romans were the same, they had a big party, didn't they? Which was called... They did. What was it called? Can you remember? Um, throughout the week, the, the, it was a week-long party called Saturnalia, wasn't it? Yeah. That's right, it was. A week-long festival where everyone was kind of freed up from their their uh, position in their society the, yeah uh, and the, they shared many of the same activities that are still common today yeah in terms of drinking feasting gift giving um, yeah it was you can see a lot of the same things yeah yeah okay back then that's uh and it was the most they looked forward to it all year this week in the roman calendar and they really went for it, yeah. didn't they, as you say, with the gifts. And it was their celebration where they worshipped, I guess, Saturn, the god of time, agriculture. And they, they take the week off from work. Even the slaves got the week off, didn't they? And they put all these pine wreaths around their home, festive candles, raucous parties. They'd have people going through yeah. the streets singing naked. Reminds you of the carol singers, doesn't it? And they'd have big feast, as you say, they were giving gifts to each other. So all those things, you think, wow, there's not much difference in that. And that was the Roman way of doing it. But what about yeah, before? Yeah. What about before the Romans? What about? Have you ever wondered where the Romans got it from? Because obviously, we can see in Saturnalia that week of festivities, a lot of the symbols and, and traditions very, very similar or the same. What? Can you have you ever read anything about before, like pre-Roman times? Well, I yeah. So I was um, listening to another little podcast on this, and uh, whether you, I don't know whether you're about to talk about this or not. But so that Saturnalia, where a lot of the traditions, as as we said, of gift giving, drinking, uh, feasting. Mm. We, we, we people take from all the Roman 
the Christians took from the Romans, didn't they? But the, the actual day, the 25th of December, to really pinpoint that day, mm. was taken from Sol, Sol Invictus, the, the day of the internal sun. Mm. And as you say, this, 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 this predated the, the Romans. This was a Syrian god, mm. uh, the sun god. Mm. And um, uh, again, it goes back to the solstice, to the shortest day. Mm. The, the the sun conquering the darkness. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, this is proper history, isn't it? As as you say, this is further back yeah. than the Romans. Is that is that what you were about to touch on? No, I love that. I love that the solemn because of the the sun was not conquered. It was coming back, and they knew the next day would be slightly longer, leading up to the summer, and they would be warmed. And yeah, right. It's interesting. So that's pre-Roman. I read somewhere. Pre-Roman. I've read somewhere as well, further back. And whether this is true, uh, do your own research on this. I've read that one theory, taking it furthest back, farthest, farthest back, furthest back, is that it was also the the birth date of the founder of ancient Babylon. So we're not talking about, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon. Do you know what I mean? That had interaction with wow. Israel. And so we're talking about ancient Babylon, like the founder. In the Bible, he's given the nickname, isn't he, Nimrod, who fights against God, it says. And they reckon his birth date was then. And he's the deified God of Babylon, became Marduk. So this was his birth date. Do your own, your own research on that. Some people think wow. he, his, his actual name might be Amrithophel, who's one of the, the kings who fight against Abraham. He's the... Uh, one of those kings that come against him. So they think that might be Nimrod, but it could be somebody else pre, pre him. But it's an interesting theory that even further back, that's the furthest reference that any historians made to the 25th. But we're going right back, aren't we? Some people would say, well, does it matter? 25th has been chosen by the church, they kind of said, when they came to these northern places that had this set date, and within the Roman Empire, this set week. But, you know, what about early Christians? What did they do? Early Christians, they had nothing to do with it, did they? I mean, mm, that's right. if, you, if you look at the, the history, the history books, um, and pre a, a big change in, in, in early Christianity was when Christianity became the imperial religion through Constantine, wasn't it? In the fourth century, is that correct? Spot on, yeah. Um, and when that happened, obviously the Romans went, we need to uh, adopt and adapt some, uh, or the Christian church, sorry, adopted and adapted uh, the, the, the Roman ceremonies and celebrations at that time. However, before that, the Christians had nothing to do with it. In fact, uh, Josephus and other historians, um, although I'm not sure if Josephus did this, but other historians have said that Christians didn't even celebrate birthdays. So mm. why would they then celebrate Jesus's birthday? You know, That's so this funny. obviously wasn't something that was celebrated in the, the early Christian church. Spot on, yeah, that's that's a good point for our listeners to think about. Yeah, the, the early Christians didn't celebrate their own birthdays or Jesus' birthday because they considered that celebration of anyone's birth 
to be a pagan custom. Why was it a pagan mm -hmm. custom? Do we know why it was a pagan custom? Why do the pagans obsess so much about the day they were born on? Why was the birthday a big deal to them? Because it does time with yeah. Christmas, because it is meant to be the birthday of the Messiah, isn't it? So we could say, well, just as a side point, why were the pagans... What do you think? I think I know the answer. I I'm asking you, I'm being disingenuous. I think I know the answer. What do you reckon? Well, I mean, um, Melvin Bragg, who... Uh, uh, my friend and yours, Melvin Bragg, who we are big fans of, <laughs> he's got a great podcast on the Babylonian epic, the, is it the Gilgamesh. Mm -hmm. And one of the things he mentions in that podcast is that the Mesopotamian people at that time didn't record their birthdays. So for a lot of people, um, birthdays just weren't a thing. It was the nobles. It was the uh, the people of in positions of power in, in, in the cradle civilizations, Egypt and, and Babylon, mm. who celebrated their birthday, their day of birth, mm. which for me would then, you know, it would lean, amongst other reasons, you're leaning towards, it's more of an egotistical thing, isn't it? Mm. it is. Would you agree with that? Yeah, of course, it's about, yeah, you being like a god. It goes back to that idea, and the, the reason why the Jews and the Christians didn't celebrate it was because they didn't, feel they were of significance on the day of birth. They were important, every life is important, but it was what you did in your lifetime that marked you out as to what kind of person you were going to be. Whereas the Bagans believed yeah. you were this immortal spirit, and at the point in which you entered your life on earth and came out of your mother's womb, and depending on where the stars were aligned, the astrology charts, which is him, what kind of life you were going to have. So it was almost like this fatalistic thing, wasn't it? That yeah. Your birthday kind of mapped out what was going to happen in your life. And when you died, you went back to this eternal spirit realm. You were this indestructible, immortal spirit. So uh, the birthday became this big deal, didn't it? Anyway, I think, we've, I think we've nailed down the celebration of his birthday. Not Christian. Not Jewish. No. Not, nothing to do with Judaism or Christianity, we'd say. No. Until maybe Nicaea and 300 and whatever when Constantine gets them all around the table and says, stop bickering, this is the official line. Do that, otherwise you're out of it. Well, you're a heretic, you're out of the club. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. December the 25th, the birthday thing, what we can see, is it Christian or is it pagan? Well, the answer's got to be, in a word, pagan. We agree? Pagan. We agreed on that? Absolutely. Um, that's what the history books say. Yeah, yeah. And gift-giving, feasting, partying, well, this is a big thing for people, isn't it, in Christmas? The Encyclopedia Americana says, Saturnalia, a Roman feast celebrating, celebrated in mid-December, provided the model for many of the merry-making customs of Christmas. From this celebration, for example, would derive the elaborate feasting, the giving of gifts, the burning of candles. And the Encyclopedia Britannica says on it, all work and business were suspended during Saturnalia. So it's just the same, isn't it? So we can see the Romans had a big part to play, and obviously pre-Roman civilizations fed into their worship of Saturnalia, the sun god, and going right back maybe to ancient Babylon, it seems likely, these dates. So we've nailed down gift-giving, feasting, we've nailed down the December, the date, 25th, the celebration of birthdays, so Jesus' birthday. Here's a question, did Jesus ever have his birthday celebrated in his life? What do you think? Again, there's no record of it, is there? I, I always think of that um, 
passage in the scriptures where his disciples inform him that his one of his best mates, his cousin, John the Baptist, has had his head chopped off mm. at the daughter of Herod's birthday party. And I'm not sure which writer it is, but he says that Jesus tries to isolate himself. Mm. He is in pain emotionally. He wants to get away from everybody because mm. he is saddened by this news mm. uh, of John the Baptist. Um, that doesn't answer your question. I, that's just the same. That's just something no, that pops into my mind when, yeah, when I think of yeah. Jesus and birthdays. Do you know what I mean? It's an interesting point. Yeah, it's a nice side point that you're you're talking from a, a, a biblically scholarly point of view that the only birthday mentions ones like that in the Bible are always negative. People are always getting slaughtered during birthdays. A couple of times, birthdays are heard of. You never hear of, you never hear of Jesus having a birthday bash. Or any of his mates, no. any of his followers, or Mary, or anyone, because the Jews didn't celebrate birthdays. So we've nailed—I think we've nailed that down, haven't we? The Jews didn't celebrate birthdays, and the first-century Christians didn't either. It became Sorry, something that kind of was moulded in later by, you know, That's right. the church just adopting whatever they came across and going, "That'll do. Leave it in." So, 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 do you anything you want to top? Any question you want to go for next? So, I mean, uh, you you've got the notes, you've got the uh, the agenda of this conversation, but um, I think it's interesting that um, obviously there are various groups of people that have looked back and gone, hmm, there are the, you know the, the origins of these celebrations are a, a little bit uh, fishy, mm. but. One man sticks out for me in the 17th century, and that is Oliver Cromwell. I'm not sure if you were going to talk about him. Go for it. I, I love Cromwell. He's an interesting guy. Cromwell, he was. So after he... Um, history, history question. Mm. Who did he uh, overcome in the Civil War in the 17th century? Which king? You're asking me. Well, I am asking you to come put you it's put Charles on the Stuart, spot. So obviously, it's Charles the First, isn't it? It's not Charles the First. <laughs> I'm a history nerd. You know that. Uh, I love Cromwell. He's such an interesting character, and he goes. He's got mental health issues. He's such an interesting character. Is that right? We yeah. could do. We could do a podcast just on Cromwell because he's a. Uh, he's hated in some place like in Ireland. He's still reviled as this almost war criminal, and yet he was such a kind of mix. Anyway, we could, we're not doing a podcast on Cromwell, are we? But yeah, in the 17th century as part of that Puritan movement, separate from the Catholic Church and separate from the Church of England, these Puritans, they actually, you're gonna tell us about the banning of Christmas. Keep your body, oh so I think I tried, I went about a week, but it was never really me. I 
I wasn't actually. Yeah, I didn't have that on the notes, but yeah, that that's an interesting one. In the United Kingdom, where we live, they banned. How many years did they ban Christmas for? That's an interesting aside. Uh, they banned it for in and around 17 years, from 1643. Um, Cromwell and his pals, like many people today, did the research and said, mm. "This is all based on pagan." celebrations, pagan customs, it's not for Christians. And there was outrage. People um, flooded the streets in opposition to this decision. Mm. So as soon as the monarchy was put back together, in which year do you remember? I don't know. Charles II, what was it? After six, they couldn't find anyone to replace Cromwell, could they? So about 1660 or something, Charles II is brought back from France or wherever he's been. Yeah, yeah. Correct. I was like, man, you're so your um, English history is amazing. That's it, uh, I, I've, I've, I taught. I did teach this, but I did teach about the English Civil War for a bit, for about six years. But Brilliant. I love Cromwell. Um, I think Cromwell. We, we should do a podcast on maybe Cromwell sometime. But but yeah, it's an interesting one that they banned it in England. What an amazing thing! But the mob, who the majority, the modern day. Average Joes, the mob didn't like it, and there were riots and stuff. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? That not everyone was obviously happy with this. They like going to the pub. They like the mischief and having fun and dancing around maple yeah. and, I mean, the Puritans went too far, didn't they? Let's be honest. They were, they were pretty extreme. <laughs> they didn't like. <laughs> they didn't like. They banned pubs and they banned. I mean, pubs. I don't know. They didn't ban alcohol. Because Cromwell liked his food and drink. He was a simple man in many ways, but. He had a sense of humour. He liked playing, playing practical jokes, and even he realised the Puritans. Some of them had gone way too far, and they'd become like this kind of Gestapo police. Going, <laughs> they were like police in the nineties, trying to break into like rave parties. But quite often they'd get there, and the party had already finished. The maple had been put away. Has there been dancing here? And they were like, I remember one story about how they'd got some poor Quaker fella who'd rode into. I think it was Bristol on a donkey. I forget his name. But he was just some regular guy who thought, I'll honour Christ at Easter time by riding in on a donkey to remind people. And they were like, well, don't you do that. And they were so angry about it, they put a thing through his tongue, you know, they stabbed a thing and they put him in jail and did all kinds of horrible stuff to him. And even Cromwell was like, how did this happen? We've gone from being the oppressed to being the oppressors. And he felt yeah. embarrassed. Before he died, he was like, what have we done? We've become the baddies. We've gone too yeah. far. I mean, they were never, they did, if they were trying to be adherents to the Bible, they kind of missed a bit about not killing people. They were, they were pretty efficient <laughs> with their new model army at going around killing people. Anyway, we're not doing a podcast on Cromwell. We're not doing things. a podcast on Cromwell. No, Maybe no, we no. will in the future. We will, we will, because that would be a good topic. But thanks for bringing that in, Joe. Yeah, 17th century England, after the Reformation, England went fully into Bible bashing mode, didn't they, for a while? They did for a bit mm, interesting time but Cromwell's such a fascinating character he goes from being at one point he's destitute and he's humiliated and he's working the land almost with his own hands he's depressed he suffers bouts of depression and then you see that change and revival in his life anyway we'll have to, t we'll have to discuss him because he's such an interesting guy and he ends yeah. up being like more powerful than the king ever was we should do proper a rags, rags famous people Famous people in history who struggled with mental health, because we could throw Chopin in there. 
who okay. is a very anxious person. Okay. They're quite endearing, aren't they? People with that kind of. Anyway, we're going way off tangent here. Let's let's yeah, move. Yeah. Let's keep going. Come on. Where okay. are you going to go? Now? We'll just we'll just bullet point some things. Christmas lights. Where does this idea of lights at Christmas time come? We've touched the candles, Saturnalia, the Romans were big on candle lighting. Encyclopedia of Religion says Europeans decorated their homes with lights and evergreens of all kinds to celebrate winter solstice and combat evil spirits. So again it's this kind of human need to get round a warm fire but it's that step further isn't it just lighting and, and putting some religious significance to it I suppose the evergreen plants the North Europeans particularly worshipped didn't they the holly mistletoe even things like the yew trees they worshipped didn't they the druidic people they kind of ascribed magical properties to these things for very, I suppose because they didn't die off like a lot of plants deciduous plants lost their leaves didn't they Whereas these plants mm -hmm. kept green, and they kind of took that as a symbol, as a promise. It says here, Encyclopedia Americana says, the evergreen holly was worshipped as a promise of the sun's return. So a lot of it goes back to that solstice worship of yes. the sun. Isn't that interesting? That's really fascinating. I hadn't heard that before. Mm. So evergreens, mistletoe, holly, all these things, which leads us smoothly to the big, one of the most iconic things the Christmas tree where does the Christmas tree come from why do people drag ha into their houses a big tree and the smell can I take a wild guess here go on, man. I'm going to put down a name and you tell me obviously you've you've got the record there but I'm going to say in, in this country in particular mm. was it introduced by Prince Albert yeah, I think you're right. I mean, people always cite that, don't they? They always say, oh, the Victorians, Queen Victoria's family, because Albert was from Germany, they brought loads of this stuff so, over. Yeah, I think the Germans were pretty... They, they had a lot of things going on that maybe English people hadn't embraced as much in the Dickensian, uh, you know, early Victorian. So, yeah, that could be true. To be honest, I haven't researched that enough to give an answer. But, yeah, it was kind of North Europe, especially Scandinavian, Germanic peoples... Do you want to hear what it says in the uh, Encyclopedia Britannica? Love, yeah, I'd love to. It says, tree, tree worship, common among the pagan Europeans, survived after their conversion to Christianity. So it goes back to the worship again of evergreens, trees, druidic peoples. So, and one of the ways in which tree worship survived is in the custom of placing a Yule tree at the entrance or inside the house in the midwinter holidays. So it tied in with that time of year, the solstice, kind of, you know, looking forward to the, the nights getting longer once that point was reached. They'd have this big mm. festival, and the Romans were doing their own equivalent. The people they were trying to conquer in the north, you know, the English, yeah. the Scots, the Germans, they were doing similar, but just with different symbols and signs. But it was all religious, wasn't it? And where these... It was. Question, go on. And I think I think we forget now, um, in a time of Deliveroo and microwave meals, just how agricultural life was back yeah. then, yeah. and how much the harvest time 
and having a good year's harvest and the produce that came from that, how important that was to people. Mm. You know, um, like you say, things like dragging a tree into your house to celebrate the, the, the end of the darkness and the lightness will come soon. It's, it's all tied in, isn't it? You can kind of understand the logic as to why people would go for that. Yeah. Whereas now, uh, it just looks enchanting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, everyone loves the the feeling they get. They say it's a feeling, don't they, rather than yeah. a kind of head thing, an intellectual thing. It's a feeling because they did it when they were children. But then, you know, we're always saying to our kids, don't lie, don't lie, don't tell lies. But you think, how many lies do people have to tell to their children to, you know, go along with this? Which leads us to one of the great characters of the modern celebration, Father Christmas. on him and as we're talking about the origins of father christmas what do you think where do you uh, think he's come from man, you you've really bashed out the research here man and i uh, i appreciate it um when i think of father christmas i know that originally these this is just what i know off the top of my my peasant's head mm. um i know that initially he was green mm. and then he had a rebrand through coca-cola Tell me if I'm wrong. And he became that red-dressed, white beard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people say this, don't they? They say Coca-Cola and the commerce, commercial elements of America, particularly in the last hundred years, they've, they've played a huge role in shaping how Christmas looks and feels and sounds, all the music. Mm -hmm. And Father Christmas, yeah, looking the way he does in that kind of big, jolly, red-suited fellow. And yeah, I mean, people say... Do your own research, because I haven't researched this to death, but the idea that Father Christmas in Cromwell's time, say in England in the 15th, 16th, hundreds, he was he often dressed in green, or in the Middle Ages, mm. he was a green character. He was a mischievous, fun party man, old Father Christmas, and he'd go around pinching bums and trying to steal your wife and have affairs. He was like the party animal. He was like the DJ who'd come. He was like the Peter Stringfellow of the party. <laughs> Sounds like a hashtag Me Too nightmare. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He would have had, he would have been there with Weinstein and all the other. <laughs> oh, he'd have been cancelled. But no, he was the man. He was the party man. He was not a benevolent, kind old fellow dishing out presents, you know, quietly and humbly going down chimneys and what have you. He was this party animal, and then he was rebranded and repackaged and kind of combined with, the, is it the Dutch Saint Nicholas? St. Nicholas. Yeah. So that's yeah, one of the that Klaus, Santa Claus, St. Claus, St. Nicholas. Do you know what I mean? So they merged the two and put him in a red suit and he's become an iconic figure, hasn't he? Going further back, going back to the Romans and their cult of Saturn worship during Saturnalia. Interesting one that in Roman households they chose a mock king in this week, sometimes a slave. And he was called the Saturn. I can't say Latin. I can't speak Latin. Saturnalacious princeps, or leader of Saturnalia. Uh, I've got a cream for that. And also, <laughs> he was called in it the Lord of Misrule. So he was like a kind of low-key mischief character. So that's probably where mm -hmm. it came from. This Father Christmas being a mischievous, fun, 
he was the party, the host with the most, you know. It says usually he was a lower member of the household. He was responsible for making mischief, insulting guests, like giving them often gifts they wouldn't want. That was what he did. Wearing crazy clothing, chasing women and girls. Ooh, bit of a Benny Hill mischief. So he, sound, he sounds like a little bit of a uh, like an untoward jester. Exactly. Like that kind of, that kind yeah. of vibe. Yeah, yeah. So they brought him along into the whole kit and caboodle, this character, but they've made him much more benevolent and wise looking with spectacles and they've given him, as you say, the Coca-Cola. I mean, when you think about it, yeah, the Victorians, Queen Victoria and her family did so much. The modern commercial elements have done so much. Mm-hmm. And it goes on. I, I think of the analogy, when we think about Christmas, because we're wrapping this up now, aren't we? But when you think about Christmas, I always think of like a snowball rolling down a hill. And that's like, that's like Christmas rolling down the hill of history. And as it goes along, it picks up debris and detritus, and it just becomes this not beautiful white thing, but this thing full of all kinds of things stuck to it, bits of rubbish and everything. And you, you can see it in our lifetime. I, unless I'm wrong, things like the Christmas jumpers that people almost want you to be forced to wear. They're saying, oh, it's Christmas jumper day. And I'm like, when, when did that happen? When I was a kid in school, going back a little bit, but you know what I mean? When I was a kid, that was like, stand-ups might make a joke about it and they might say, hey, were you given these naff jumpers by your granny? And you'd have to put it on the next Christmas to show you hadn't binned it. And it was like this tradition mm-hmm. of having a naff, overly patterned jumper. Maybe a little bit snowflakey, but now people go out and it's almost like this ironic thing that we're so cool, we can wear these things. And in fact, you've all got to wear them. And it becomes an official thing. Kids in school have to bring money in, donating. I mean, they just, they're always asking for donations for anything. Put a pair of undies <laughs> on your head, bring a pound, you know what I mean? Whatever it is, they make stuff up. But this is one that gets me because I think there's one, the jumpers, the Coca Cola van, the nativity place you see in school. They have the Coca Cola van as part of the nativity. And you're like, give it another hundred years, that would be as sacred as the tree. Do you know what I mean? The creek, yeah. As yeah, we go, yeah. it's like accelerating and these picking up traditions every year. There seems to be more things that, and you're not allowed to question it and go, really? Or the other one I saw the other day, and this is one that's crept up on me over the past few years, is something called Chris Tingle, which is like an orange with loads of stuff stuck in it, <laughs> with cocktail sticks and a ribbon around it and a candle. A, a, Chris, a Chris Dingle, did you say? Chris Dingle, and it's like a, an orange with cocktail sticks and like jelly tots stuck on the cocktail sticks and and they and they say well the orange represents the world and cocktail sticks represent i don't know god's spirit and the ribbon represents the blood of jesus and it's like you could just do anything and just say that represents that and it's but this thing it's picking up traditions all the time it's like this thing that's growing this amorphous blob it's like the thing and it's just absorbing (laughs) stuff do you know what I mean? Have you noticed this? This is just my observation. Oh, no, this is like modern history. Just, this is modern day history. In the making. We are living thing. through it, man. people stand on this is is completely up to them but if there's money to be made mm. money will be made and it's not just christmas you see it with halloween as well i mean 
save, Halloween save it. It's grown and grown and grown. Save Halloween. We'll do Halloween another one. Halloween will be really interesting. We'll but I mean, I was speaking to a colleague at work just this week, and he said, I'm, I'm, me and my missus, we're not putting a tree up. You know, very little decorations. I think for some people, they just find it fatiguing. As you say, there's so much now. Mm. And um, it, I love that analogy. It's a snowball that's collected every anything and everything on its way down. Mm. And uh, and it's made a few people a lot of money on the way. Of course it has. Of course it has. So wrapping this up, Thanks for all your insights, Joe. I think we, I think it's a nice change that we're not talking about trivia or what we've seen or experienced. We're just talking about this one historical topic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And obviously the majority of people in the Western world do celebrate this festival. Here's a question. Is it a secular holiday or a religious holiday now? What do you think? Is it a secular holiday? It doesn't have to be yes or no, but what do you think? Is it a secular or a religious holiday? I'm kind of making these questions up as we go along, you know. You say there's a plan, there's never really a plan to our discussions. There's a vague kind of. I had a couple of (laughs) things in front of me, but. Do you think, what would you say? Is it secular? Do atheists celebrate it? Of course they do, yeah. A lot of people don't do it. For a lot of people, it's for the family time and yeah. for the gift giving and for getting together because it's cold and dark and depressing and people want something to do. Yeah, yeah. However, f- still today for a lot of people it is deeply religious, the, the Christmas yeah, yeah. services at church, the, the nativities at school, um, you can't get around that. So yeah. that it's would a, be my answer. How about an- No, it's a good answer. It depends who you are, doesn't it? If you're, if you, if you're not a believer, People still do it because they feel they get a good feeling off it and they enjoy it, and that's the part of their individual chosen path. But religious people make. I mean, my auntie put something on one of the social media sites the other week. My wife mentioned it to me that it was Father Christmas stood over the baby Jesus, and it said, "Keep Jesus in Christmas." Do you know what I mean? And she's a of a Christian denomination, a part of Christendom. She's quite an active member of the Roman Catholic faith. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, isn't that interesting? They're putting Father Christmas in the stable for this birth of what the Bible would describe as the Messiah, the Son of God. Mm-hmm. And like he, he is almost like out. he is almost like the he's almost being depicted like the Father. Father Christmas is a bit like Jehovah, like God, Yahweh stood in there. You think, oh, that's interesting, isn't it? What a mismatch! How confusing! They're trying to like you know what I mean? Like that little bit of the story, which isn't given a big spotlight in the, the Bibles. I remember it, him being born, but there he is. Father. So, yeah, to religious people, they'd say, yeah, it is, it's, just, it's religious, it's, a, it's about the Son of God. But to a lot of people, we live in a very secular society, and maybe people listen to this who don't believe in the Bible and God, and that's their prerogative, isn't it? That's their choice, but they still do Christmas. Mm-hmm. So there's no yes or no answer to that, really, is there? Here's the thought, if they, if they ban religion, if they got rid of religion, would Christmas survive? Yes or no? Absolutely, 100%. 100%, 100% yes. Of course 100%. You'd see the same scenes yeah. as Cromwell saw in the uh, 17th century. People would be in uproar. If you, people, you know, you, yeah. it, 
no religion, religion or no religion, you, yeah. you're always going to have Christmas. Of course you are. I mean, they couldn't even stop the, the top politicians in our country having a big Christmas bash that's come out recently, hasn't it? Last, no. last year, when it was all banned and they're still prosecuting people for having gatherings and weddings, probably more modest in nature, and there they were. So even the top dogs running the country and our little part of the world, they were... They couldn't stop themselves getting the Christmas jumpers on and having a big shindig because yeah. they all love it. So, yeah, in answer, we feel it would survive the removal of organised religion because it is yeah. probably separate. It exists in its own right, doesn't it? It's not dependent on any... They would miss church services and so on if they didn't have that place to go to, but the majority of Christmas customs do not pivot or need the vicar, the priest, the church as a building. They would survive without no. those, wouldn't they? Because they'd have the TV programs, the music, the trees, everything else, and they'd go fill your boots. But you're not fill here. your boots. Fill your boots. Fill your stockings. Fill your stockings. <laughs> so we're coming. I mean, this, we've asked every question really we need to mention. We've talked about so many different things from Cromwell to Father Christmas to Chris Dingle, and we've talked about whether it's a secular holiday. Here's a thought. Oh, it's quite a controversial one. Would Jesus yeah. celebrate Christmas? Do you know what? Discuss. Do you know what? That is it. I was trying to think of um, open questions yeah. to leave our listeners with at the end of this podcast. And that is something I think every single year around this time. I think if Jesus arrived on the scene right now, mm. what would he think yeah, yeah. Of, of the celebrations? Uh-huh. Um, and... After everything we've discussed, it's it's plenty food for thought, isn't it? It is. It is. And you have to make your own decision on these matters, don't you? Everyone has to decide what's best for them, for their family. They have to weigh up the facts. And whatever they believe, whether they believe in, I don't know, religion as a force for good, whether they believe in the Bible. But in regards to this celebration, we've been looking at it from a historical point of view. So hopefully... Our listeners might have learned one or two things. They may go, no, I don't agree with that. That's rubbish. Fine. Do your own research. But we've just been chatting about, and hopefully not cause any offence by doing so, the history of so many elements of Christmas and where they came from. And from our point of view, how Christmas is this force. It's almost like a kind of living thing in its own right, isn't it? That's gone throughout history, picking up stuff that you'd imagine would have died a death with those ancient cultures. But instead... It's carried on right through, hasn't it? To where we are. Anyway, any final thoughts? James? No, I think we've, that was a, a really great discussion. Really interesting. Um, lots to, to think about. And I thank you for it. Thank you, sir. <laughs> great to see you, man. Great to see you. We'll say goodbye to our listeners. Have a great rest whatever you choose to do in this period have a nice little rest if you get some time off work enjoy yourselves and hopefully you have a safe and happy new year as we go into the, the next year hopefully things will settle down and uh, we'll talk on another historical subject next time we meet we're going to keep it to history for a while maybe just discuss one thing and take Dad? it apart Dad? <laughs> time's up mate <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> alright man We'll stop it there. Well, this chip on my shoulder won't come off. I scrubbed and scrubbed until I was red raw. 
reconstructed full of filler Somebody break the bronze soul I guess I'm just a peasant from up north